Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We read a portion of our gospel lesson again from Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. We pray. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed. So we've had this man manifested, revealed to us as the Son of God, as the Messiah, as the Lamb of God. And the question is, where has he been revealed to us as, as those things? Well, of course, in history, when he lived here on earth, in those events, in his miracles, in the words he spoke. And of course, today, he's revealed to us in the scriptures, He comes to us in the sacraments. But there's also somewhere else. That's where the Beatitudes come in. Blessed. That word means, as I've shared with you before, it is well with my soul. Not only in the future, but also right now. Not only in good times, but also in the worst of times. It is well with my soul. The Beatitudes describe the Christian and his life. They are what we are and what we do. And as we are these things and do these things, we are blessed. It is well with our soul. And the rewards are amazing. The kingdom of heaven is, not will be, but is ours. We will be comforted, we will inherit the earth, we will be filled with righteousness, we will be shown mercy, we will see God, we will be called sons of God, and then Jesus repeats that first one again, the kingdom of heaven is, not will be, but is ours. Now, let's go into more detail of what we are and what we do. We are poor in spirit. We come to God penniless, bankrupt, empty. In fact, we, we have a great debt. We own up to this. For we are all partakers of the fall. We acknowledge our sin. This is one of the great hallmarks of a Christian. Poor in spirit. We mourn, 
We mourn over our sin, our moral failures. We mourn for loved ones who have died. We mourn over our family and neighbors who do not know Christ. We mourn over the state of the world. We are humble. We're humble before God for two reasons. First of all, because God is God and we are mere creatures. But also we are humble before God because we are corrupted creatures. The fall, the sin. But we're also humble before others. Because all of us are in that same boat, that same boat of fallenness. Throughout history, uh, individuals and groups of people have not wanted to acknowledge that we're all in that same boat. So some people will say, well, you're in that boat, but not me, I'm in a, a different boat. And this has been accentuated these days, especially with our woke culture. Uh, the critical theory, cultural Marxism goes by different names. And the claim is that your, the boat you are in can be based upon your nationality, your religion, your ethnicity, your language, your age, your sex, your behavior, your lifestyle. But no, it's, it's all people in that same boat. And, and this is one of those Christian teachings that is one of the great equalizers among all people. We're all in this boat. And therefore, we are humble before God and before man. <clears throat> we hunger and we thirst for righteousness because... By nature, we have none of our own. We want it, and we know we need it, in order to stand before God on that last day, faultless and without sin. And those who come with this understanding, this honesty, this desire, this confession, this hunger and thirst, Jesus says they will be filled. We are merciful to that neighbor, that person who God has put across our path in life at any given moment, and it has a need that we can help meet. It doesn't matter who that person is. This is unconditional love. And that person that God has put in front of us, if he's, if he's anything like uh, me or you, may not deserve such mercy, but it doesn't matter. If there is some mercy we can show him, we do so. <clears throat> and it begins with those who are closest to us, within our marriage, within our family, with, within our church. <clears throat> we are pure in heart. You might ask, we are? Well, there is this new man within Christians where this is found. 
a new man who has godly desires and intentions, the new man that says no to selfishness and greed and lust. The problem is we also have this old man within us that fights against this new man and his godly desires. There's always this struggle here in this life, and it's pretty constant. We are peacemakers. That is because we have been given a peace of the greatest kind, a peace that surpasses all understanding. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is this peace especially that we offer and extend to our neighbor. In other words, within this concept of peacemaker is an evangelism mandate and desire. We will be persecuted, and that is because the world does not understand or love Christ and the righteousness that he brings us fully and freely. And because we are aligned with Christ and so intimately connected with him through the waters of our baptism, what happens to Christ at some point and in some way will also happen to us, unless we want to avoid our connection with Christ. But keep in mind, when persecution does happen, we are in very good company, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you, not to mention the greatest prophet, Christ himself. So these are the eight Beatitudes. And notice how all of them are directly or indirectly dealing with sin. All of them. Sin keeps popping up as the problem. But also as the problem that is fixed. For all of these beatitudes are also connected to Christ somehow. Jesus was not poor in spirit, for he received the fullness of the spirit when he was baptized. But he came specifically for the poor in spirit, for us. Jesus mourned. He mourned a beloved friend who died. But he especially mourned as he was pained that he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. He wanted to gather his people as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but he said, you were not willing. So with great sorrow, he mourned and he even wept. But in that mourning was a plea. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus was humble. For as Paul tells us, though he was God, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Jesus did not hunger and thirst for righteousness, for he brought his own with him. But he brought his own with him to give it to us freely. So we could borrow his, so to speak, by faith. And in thus borrowing his righteousness, we can stand before God in the last day. He was merciful. His was the greatest mercy. For it was a mercy that led him to the cross. He was pure in heart. In every thought, in every desire, in every word, in every deed. And that's what he brought with him to the cross. Making his sacrifice a pure, unblemished offering. Something we could never bring to God, but he did. And he did it for us. Jesus was a peacemaker. Establishing the greatest peace ever and the greatest peace forever. It was a peace between us and the one who had been our greatest enemy, God Himself. And Jesus was persecuted from the time of His birth during His three years of public ministry, not only by men, but also by Satan. And He endured. So, here's the point. When we are these things, and when we do these things, we are actually little Christ. When people see us, they see Christ. Jesus is revealed through us. We become the salt of the earth preserving what is good for us and our families and society. Or, because we are the salt of the earth, life just tastes better for us and for those around us. We are the light of the world. A light is not meant to be hidden. Do not be afraid to let your light shine don't hide it under a false humility, but be proud and bold to be a light, even to allow others to see your good works. You don't brag about them, but they can see your good works. For when you do so and do it right, you are not saying, look at me, but you are pointing to Christ, who is the light of of the world. And who knows? When they see us, someday they may also through us see Christ and know Christ and give glory to your Father in heaven. But what do we do when our light does not shine as it should? when it's a little harder to see us as little Christ, when we fall short. 
In such days, which happens to be most every day, we remember the one who did all these things perfectly. The one who humbled himself for us, who hungered and thirsted that we might receive his righteousness, whose mercy led him to the cross, where he, the pure one, the pure and holy lamb, died for us, who by his death established and gave us peace with God, who, when he was persecuted, did not avenge himself, but finished his work for us and our salvation. We remember the one who came to fulfill the moral law of God, the one who came to fulfill all the predictions of the Messiah found in the law and the prophets, so that by faith and faith alone we would have a righteousness that far surpasses the mere outward righteousness of the Pharisees or scribes or any other holy or good or great person we can think of. We get the righteousness of Christ. It is there for us in his word and in the sacrament today. And it is this righteousness received by faith. It is this righteousness and this faith that is lived out and shines in the lives we live. <clears throat> Paul put it this way in Romans 12. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Or as we're told in our Old Testament lesson for today, we are to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with our God. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen. And now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.